when I learned how life insurance can work. Now, it's very important to understand it only works the way I'm about to explain if it is designed properly, if it's funded properly, and it is used properly. Okay. Like any vehicle, I mean, you can get a Ferrari, and if you're driving it in second gear the whole time, that thing is not going to perform. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. All right, everybody. I am super pumped for this next episode with Jeremy Ship. You are the chief operating officer of Money Tracks. And for those of you that don't know my story with just um, being impacted by Circle of Wealth and Don Blanton, I have a ton of gratitude. I'm so thankful for just the journey that I've been on to learn so much from what you guys are doing in the world. Well, we were talking before about our love for health hacking and and, and like being healthy and then also how that relates to the whole money space. And and so we might have to put on like a show sometime about how like health hacking and wealth hacking together and make something happen. But for now, man, I, I wanna just introduce you to my audience and also talk about the whole mortgage situation because I think there's a lot of opinions out there about what we should do with being efficient with our, with our house or whatnot. And I think you have the ability to communicate something uh, that can be complicated and make it super simple. And that's just an example of why I'm such a big fan of Circle of Wealth and Money Tracks. And so with that intro, how are you doing? Welcome to The Better Wealth Show. Oh, Caleb, I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of yours as well. Uh, grateful to be on your show. I just really love your even-keeled approach as I've, I've watched you, you kind of come through, I mean, over it looks like 400 episodes now through your show and coming through the different space and as myself, as we learn and go through the industry and, and we get that more even keeled approach and, and the more objective view on products like life insurance and annuities and investments, understanding there is no you know good or bad, but it's just like, here are the pros and cons. And so I really just appreciate and want to give you a lot of kudos for the guests you've had on your show and the way you're able to maneuver those conversations. I think you're really helping a, a lot of people out there, a lot of advisors uh, really see through some of the you know the trees to be able to see the forest and, and understand the big picture. So it's a great honor of mine to be on the show with you and just have a real fun conversation. I appreciate that, man. I genuinely enjoy interviewing people and I'm, I'm naturally curious, mm-hmm. but I think one of the things that I, I've, and you've probably, if, if people have listened to every episode, which I know there are people out there. So thank you. Thank you for being the uh, dedicated listeners. Um, they've, they've seen probably some uh, me take, take steps back. And, and I've, I've admitted that I've been wrong multiple times and it's been a fun journey. And so my hope is um, if, if we can, if we can help more people be more intentional and, and not take themselves too seriously, I think, I think we can do a lot of good. Um, so obviously I, I want people to know about who money tracks is and what you guys do. But before that, who are you? What's your story? Like, how in the world did you, um, you know, how how did you become the chief operating officer of what I would say is one of the most influential um, money education uh, teaching systems for advisors and agents? And so you guys have created a massive movement. Where did that begin for you? For me personally, it, it started back in, in like high school and, and college. And so I have a degree in mathematics. I could have gone in a lot of different technical aspects, engineering. I had an, an interest in possibly doing some biomedical research, or I was always fascinated with how the brain worked. And I knew that I could go out there and, and work a job and make a good steady income and make a lot of money. But if I didn't know how money really worked, 
it wouldn't maybe do me all that good. And so I made a decision as I know how numbers work, I know how equations work and, and two plus two equals four, I want to have a solution. And I just decided that I wanted to understand how the whole money game operates and, and how to do it the right way and, and be the most efficient I can. And that was really what started my journey uh, way back when. And from there, I, I had a few different stops. I, I started my career in the bank, like uh, you know somebody you might know as well. And, and I was working at the Ohio State University campus back there in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So OH to any uh, Buckeye oh, no, fans. That, in I think your we audience. need to end this. We need to end this <laughs> podcast immediately. You guys crush our dreams every year as a, a Madison fan. So, but continue. We'll yeah, let you no, continue. So it's, on. It, we're, it's, it's all fun and love in the Big Ten country, but I know we're the, you know, pretty much the empire in the, in the, in the Star Wars version. But as we go through and, and thinking about when I was working with these 18, 19, 20 year old kids, I just kept noticing, I mean, they didn't know how money worked. They came in, they're getting their first checking account, first savings account, sometimes a first credit card, which ended up be usually being a learning opportunity for them uh, that I would, I would have to coach them through. From there, I went to a different part of the industry and I started working in estate planning. So I was working with 70, 80, sometimes 90 year old folks working with trusts and uh, what to do with their assets, how things were titled. And one thing I kept noticing was that their financial acumen, their knowledge, their financial literacy had not progressed as much as I thought it should in those 50 to 60 years time span compared to those 18-year-olds I was working with. And that's when I decided I really wanted to plant my flag and learn and understand retirement planning because I kept seeing people who were running out of money, running low on assets later on in their lives due to decisions they made early in their retirement or at the end of their working career. And I mean, with retirement, it's a different ball game. So, you know, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. I give a climb, mountain climbing story. And a lot of people um, think about mountain climbing going up. You might know, your listeners might know that a, a little over 300 people have died uh, climbing Mount Everest. But what they may don't know is that over 80% of those died after summiting Mount Everest. They died on the way down because there's so much energy put in getting to that mountain. So you've heard, seen the commercial with people walking around with the numbers on their back. What's your yeah. number? What? How much do you need to have to retire? That's not the most important thing. These financial institutions, the banks, the insurance companies, the investment companies make it very easy for people to put money into their accounts, right? You, mm -hmm. Sure, put it in, open the account. Well, when it comes time to take it out and actually use that money, well, now there's fees, surrender charges, penalties, taxes, capital gains, all these hoops you got to jump through to get your own money back out. And I just figured at that point, I've got a really analytical brain. I know numbers. I know accounts. Let me dig in and help figure out this puzzle for folks. That's when I opened my own firm, started doing retirement planning exclusively, getting very specific as far as who I work with, people within five years of retirement. Um, and that's when I, I learned about Circle of Wealth. Don Blanton was still running the company at that point, eternally grateful for the, the concepts he started with Circle Talk, personal economic model, the 10-minute lesson on life insurance. And when I learned about life insurance, the way he taught it, what you could do with permanent life insurance, we call it the Swiss Army knife of financial products because you can do so many different things with that when it's properly designed. I was like, this is wealth hacking to yeah. piggyback on what you said before. I can do so many different things with this. And I've seen it now in my own life and my family's life, my client's life what it can do for you. That was when I really got involved, started teaching and training courses, teaching other advisors how I use money tracks in my own practice uh, as a retirement planner. Um, and then I started working closer and closer 
Mark Guthrie took over as CEO of the company. And unfortunately, tragically, uh, Mark died in uh, December of 2020. And since then, I've come on as the COO uh, since that point in interim time to really make sure that we can kind of move forward, continue on Don Blanton and Mark Guthrie's vision. And so now I'm just here to uh, empower and train other advisors to understand, you know, what, what does retirement planning mean in the 21st century and how can we help those advisors teach people about how money really works so they can go out there and impact uh, as many lives as they can. You know, a couple, a couple of things that I've learned from Don and just the circle, circle talk and, and, and just money tracks in general is, is the importance of efficiency and um, I don't know, do you guys have a definition of efficiency? My, my definition is to remove anything that's in your way to get to where you want to go. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, when I think of efficiency, I go back to kind of the definition that, that Dave Asprey actually coined for biohacking, which is how can I control my environment, both what's coming in my body and what's around my body to get as much out of my biology as possible. So yeah. bring that over into the wealth situation what can I do with my assets and my income sources to get as much as I can out of the use of those? I mean, I, I when I'm talking to retirees, one of the first things I do is we go through a spending plan. We don't call it a budget. I say, let's figure out how much you're spending now so we know how much you want to spend in retirement. Because, you know, Caleb, I mean, what's the whole purpose of saving money? It's to spend it. It's to use it, right? I mean, the the a lot of people will be surprised when I tell them, and ask them, what do you think your most valuable asset is? And they'll say, well, it's my house, it's my 401k. I'll say, no, your most valuable asset, everyone's most valuable asset is time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's the one asset you can never get back. Yep. It always is moving. That's- and with the, and then you determine what you do with that time, the relationships you have, how yep. you go about improving yourself, your financial situation. So from an efficiency standpoint, how can we just lever all the tools that we have to be able to give ourselves the most time freedom, the most ability to have the relationships we want. And really that's, I mean, that, that's what it's all about. What is what is the purpose of saving money? It's to spend it and use your time with people you love. I'm, I'm a believer that there's very few original thoughts. And when people are hearing you speak, they're like, man, um, you guys align a lot. And, and, <laughs> and it's just because this is very much of a lot of the philosophy that I 100% believe in, efficiency. We t- we've coined this concept of ROR being return on result. Let's get really focused on results. Wealth is not just money in a bank account. It's intentional living. Like There's so many aspects um, that we align on. And one of the things that we're really passionate at Better Wealth is like taking someone's situation and asking the question, how do we make it better? What is what? How can we sco- be more efficient or optimized? Um, because part of efficiency could be the mathematical, but optimization could be like what's the optimal for your situation. We can get caught up on words, but the, at the end of the day, it's really powerful when you can show somebody through you know math, through um, presentations, and get them to start thinking differently. To say, hey, this is how you accomplish what you want to accomplish in the best way. And like, why is that a problem? <laughs> it shouldn't be a problem. It should, everyone wins when that, when that happens. Is there anything else that you want to um, talk to that before we go into the mortgage talk? And this is one thing that um, Don has coined and it's been really, really powerful. I think he calls it mortgage choice. And um, it, the whole concept in itself is really, um, get, will get people to start thinking. And I think you can articulate it in a way that will be different and might challenge the way that some people think about why they do what they do. Yeah, I, I just, I really key on what you said with with efficiency and, and what we're doing 
with with pictures, with words, with stories. So yeah, I'm I'm a math nerd. Like I love spreadsheets. I love being able to prove to somebody from a numerical standpoint why XYZ is the best route for them to go. But if that it causes them to lose sleep at night or it doesn't make sense. Or more importantly, if I can't communicate it properly to a way that makes them feel better about that whole process. Um, and again, insert whatever product or strategy you have as far as whether it's a mortgage, whether it's how you're saving for retirement, whether it's to buy an annuity for lifetime income in retirement, whether it's to put money into a properly structured permanent life insurance policy uh, to make sure you can do all the things that you've taught your listeners of what you can do with that life insurance policy. And for me, that was the missing piece that I got from Money Tracks. I mean, right here, this is our cornerstone of what we do everything. That's our personal economic model. And with that one picture, we, as an advisor, I can show a client how any financial concept can work in their own model and their own picture. So for me, as an analytic, it was, that was the missing piece for me. And so it's, Here's, here's what's optimal. Here's what's the best thing mathematically for a client. And I'll tell them this, like mathematically, this is going to put you, let's say $200,000 ahead net worth by the time you're 90. Um, keep in mind to do that, you're going to need to do X, Y, and Z. And is that worth it to you? Like you, let's just have a frank conversation and I'm a fiduciary. So people will pay me a financial planning fee and I'm doing what's in their best interest. And I just kind of lay things out and they can make their own decision at that point. Once they have the enough information and they really fully understand it. So it really comes down to the conversations. How can we help people really understand um, how money works on an overall level before we get granular with illustrations and applications and everything else as far as taking it through across the finish line? And and that's what Money Tracks helped me understand around the mortgage. Uh, what we call you know how, can you be a mortgage master? You really understand what that is. So it's. Caleb, it is such an emotional conversation for so many people because for so long, the American dream has been tied up in having a paid off house by the time you retire. Yeah. Right. That was the golden ticket. If I get a paid off house, then I can retire that like that. People have structured their whole retirement on when they can have their home paid off the same way as they let the federal government tell them when they can retire based on their full retirement age for social security. So, I mean, there's all sorts of teaching that I love to do in, in retirement, but the mortgage, you can't get away from it. It's, it's such a, such a big piece for people. And they just getting out of that, out of those weeds and being able to use pictures like this to help them understand the full picture. Um, and again, not right or wrong. It's just, here's the facts and here's what numbers can, can do and what they can be. Uh, and it's super important now understanding the pros and cons of a mortgage given what's going on with inflation. Right. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't know what gas prices are like uh, for you all out there, but I mean, they're going up everywhere and eight and a half percent the latest numbers. I mean, it's it, it's, a, it's a new time. The, the pros of owning a Tesla. Um, I don't know what the gas price is currently <laughs> with where I live, but uh, overall, a hundred percent agree with with what you're with, with what you're sharing. And before we go into the specific, like talking about the mortgage, let's let's take a step back and say, if you had to give me money one hundred and one, like a, just an overall viewpoint, because I think it's really really important to not talk about things in a vacuum. I would love that, and then I would also love your like like life insurance 101, like after we get like the big picture, why are you a fan as a fiduciary 
about life insurance being a part of someone's life. I would love for you to articulate that. And then we can dive into to the mortgage because it's a what I, what I love about what you're about to say and no pressure, but it's like, you have a philosophy. You're not just like memorizing something for a test and saying, oh, this is what we believe. No, it everything can be tied back to a model that can ultimately reflect your decision. And that's what I love about any type of software that's done well is you can you can measure decision A versus decision B and the and then the client can make the decision based on math not your charisma or what you're saying exactly and you you bring up a a very important topic as far as not something i memorized from a test and you can maybe tell by my little byline i've taken a few tests in my days yeah. and, and accumulated an alphabet soup behind my name so Again, getting those is, is great validation to understand what we're doing at Money Checks and Circle Wealth is just different. I mean, it, it's it's revolutionary, it really is. And so Money 101, I think really it comes down to how much control do you have over resources? Like what is your access to capital? What is your position? If you had to put your hands on some money to do something you wanted to do, for your life, your family's life, your friends, your neighborhood, what what is your capacity? And we we refer to it as collateral capacity. Like, what can you do to reach into these tanks? How can you access money? You talk about a lot about how how debt and borrowing can be a leverage source. That's just one instance. But from a money one hundred and one, that is one aspect of accounts and and utilizing your assets and your resources that is so overlooked and is really thrown down the toilet, we get so wrapped up into rates of return and taxation of the accounts, we kind of forget about if something happens and it unexpected, either an emergency that I need to put my hands on some money or an opportunity I want to go out and capitalize on, what is my capacity to be able to do that? So if we boil it down from a money 101 standpoint, it's again, let's get everything moving in the right direction as best we can. But at the top of the point, I would say, well, make sure you understand what's going on with your access to capital. How important is cash flow to you and what you teach? And then the other question I have is, is retirement, like I am so turned off by the word retirement. I know it's the thing that everyone uses and it's this I mean, we don't have to go into the definition of retirement, but I'm assuming when you're saying retirement, you're saying you don't have to work and you can live intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. Is, you know, we we can say like wealth is all about access to capital, but is is there a something more measurable about maybe like cash flow or is there, you know, I guess, or do you understand what I'm trying to ask? Well, so, I mean, my, my kind of my tagline is I plan with a passion so my clients can live with intention. It's like, like give me all your stuff. Tell me what you're living. And that's why I start with a spending plan. So I don't want to mess with your lifestyle. I don't want to cut down on your budget and tell you you got to live on less. Just tell me how you're living. What do you have to work with? And let me go to work and see what I can do with your resources to optimize those to give you that lifestyle as long as possible. So one of the most important questions I ask prospects in my opening interview is what does success look like for you in retirement? Like, what is that? Okay. Because you're right, Caleb. And when you talk about retirement, how um, a lot of people, once they stop working, they're, I mean, their runway shrinks because of the way we are wired as Americans. Our identity is tied to our work. It's tied to, you know, what do you do? Well, here's what I work. And if 
And so if you get to retirement and you don't have a vision as far as how you want to intentionally spend your time, yeah. is it could be seeing grandkids, kids, donating time at your church, dollars to your church, going out. And I mean, some people love playing golf, horseback riding, walking down by the, the lake, going on kayaks. But what does that really mean? So when it comes to retirement for me, yeah, number one thing is cash flow. Okay. So, I mean, Tony Robbins and Money Master of the Game, he even talks about this and quotes different people. The most important thing in retirement is income. Yep. And that's why for me, a big part of my personal practice is annuity planning. Yep. And so understanding what annuities are, that understanding that social security is an annuity paid out by the federal government, understanding that a pension is an annuity paid out by a private company and other annuities that are sold by insurance companies, those are just asset-backed annuities where you give your money to an insurance company, they turn it into something that's like social security or pension. And I've yet to have any client tell me they hate their social security and you should too, yeah. and that you shouldn't own that, right? I mean, we know who I'm talking about there and it's it, he might not know how the retirement system really works in this if country. I set up right. a, if I set up a debate, would you show up? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. I'd love I'll, to. And we, I'll and we make can... that happen. I, I really sure. will. It will be wow. my life calling to to I, set up a debate with uh, an annuity hater and annuity lover. And... I, I mean, it's it's just because, again, I don't love them. I don't hate them. It's just that they're the only yeah. financial product that will continue paying an income, yeah. even if there's no money in the account. Yeah. Like, that's the whole definition. And, yeah. and, and you can't go to a brokerage account and say and have the broker put it on a piece of paper. I promise this account will yeah. pay out at a certain rate for the rest of your life, regardless of what the performance is, and then have the president of the company sign that. You know why? Because that's what an annuity is. But now we're getting off, yeah. <laughs> off topic. But to answer your question, yes, income security, cash flow yep. is king in retirement. Cash is not king. Yes. Because a lot of people yep. think that their 401k is, is the end all be all. But you can't take your 401k statement and go shopping at your local grocery store. Yep. You need cash in the bank. You need income. So when it comes to retirement, income security is what helps people sleep. And I had a a uh, couple uh, long ago client who unfortunately her uh, husband recently passed away. She's got plenty of money in the bank. We're talking six figures sitting in the bank, but you know what she's worried about? That his pension is going away, that she's yeah. losing about a thousand dollars a month in income. And she is worried, keep staying up at night that her income is dwindling, even though she's got plenty of money yeah. to backfill. So from a retirement standpoint, yeah, income security is huge. So from, and, and for those of people that are not watching, um, you literally have all the designations and don't, don't sue me. You don't have them all, but you have a lot. And, and so you've definitely jumped through a lot of hoops. Why life insurance? I mean, life insurance, I think right now, I mean, Ernst and Young just did a report that was, was pretty awesome. And I think a lot of people that are actually planners understand the power of, of life insurance, but then you get the people just don't get it or, or do they're just so adamantly against permanent life insurance from a standpoint of your operating money tracks. You're also, you work with people. Why do you like talk about life insurance and where do you see it being a good fit? Well, the way that I look at it is I'm not biased one way or another because I'm, for me, it's not a marketing ploy. So yeah. there's a reason somebody hates annuities and you should too. There's a reason that somebody says you should only buy term and invest the difference in, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. Yeah. So I like it because I own a lot of it. My family owns a lot of it. And that was because of the teachings from Circle Wealth and Money Checks when I learned how life insurance can work. Now, it's very important to understand it only works the way I'm about to explain if it is designed properly, if it's funded properly, and it is used properly. Okay. Like any vehicle, I mean, you can get a Ferrari and if you're driving it in second gear the whole time, that thing is not going to perform. 
All right. So life insurance is the only financial tool that can do all the things it can do. Again, if you design it properly, you fund it properly, and then you use it properly. So why do I like it? Well, it can be a hedge against uh, volatility in the markets. Why do I like it? Because it can be a place to access capital in a tax-free, tax-favored manner if tax rates shoot up. Okay. Based on different borrowing rates from different insurance companies, it can be a hedge against inflation. You and I both know insurance companies that when you buy that policy, you have a guaranteed fixed loan rate of anywhere between four, five, six percent for the rest of your life. So, I mean, if you're an advisor and you understand how life insurance works and you want to work in the business owner world, how about just starting knocking on doors and saying, what if I could show you a way to have access to capital for the rest of your life and never pay more than 5% to get your hands on it? I mean, if you're, again, a real estate investor, real estate investors, when I go through our, our private reserve strategy, our opportunities calculator and show them, like, you could do hard money lending just using your life insurance policy. And if interest rates go to 8, 10, 12%, and you can borrow from the insurance company at 5 for the rest of your life, but your money is all sitting in your policy, still earning interest. Yeah. I mean, so that's what I mean with Swiss Army Knife, right? Yeah. I mean, and you've talked about a lot of these provisions and then different things on your different shows, so I don't need to re-recategorize that, but there are 12 identifiable benefits that any one financial product can have and a properly structured, properly funded, properly used life insurance policy is the only one that can capture 11 of those 12 benefits. So when I'm looking at features and benefits, it's it's hard to argue the different features, different things you can get with life insurance. And I mean, as again, getting away from rates of return, taxation, everything else. Great case in point, okay? And the way that I personally use it, my, my family have, have used it, would be in the current housing environment, going from one house to another, okay? It was a hot market. I had a family member a couple of years ago going from one house to another, was worried about putting in an offer and having two mortgages to pay, okay? But houses were going in like 12 hours, yeah, you know, 14 hours, multiple bids. And I said, bud, get your, you got, you got all this cash value sitting in your policy, okay? You can afford two mortgage payments for probably three years, let alone yeah. two months, but it's not going to happen. So we'll go ahead and get some, you get a loan against your policy, take it out to make your down payment on your new house. Don't make an offer with any sort of contingency. You already have your pre-approval letter from the mortgage company. Get your new house, then take your time to move your stuff over, sell your old house when you're ready and everything else. And it just took all the stress off. So what do you know? Got into the house. It was their dream house. Kids got into a great school system. Now they're, they're living there. And he just touts the benefits of just the freedom to be able to move that. And guess what? He didn't have to liquidate any positions. He didn't have to pay any capital gains taxes. He didn't have to try and use a first-time home buyer credit from a you know a qualified retirement plan. So it's that's what I mean when access to capital is so crucial and people don't think about it. If, yeah, you can get some decent rates of return, some obviously better than what you get in a CD or a savings account with life insurance. But that's not the number one yep. feature. And I appreciate you stating that because um, I, I, I told someone, a big time investor the other day, I said, this is not an arbitrage strategy. Like, like don't do this if you think you're going to make more in your policy than what you're going to pay. And he kind of like took a step back because that's what everyone's saying. But then through the conversation, I was like, but 
life insurance, the benefit of, and you go through that ideal list, way out um, benefit, like way out return, you know, the, the cost of capital. And if it didn't, you shouldn't do it. Like if life insurance didn't get you a better result than the cost of capital and what it would do later, then you shouldn't do that. But if you understand all the benefits of life insurance, you realize that has nothing to do with rate of return, has everything to do with going back to ROR, the result that you're getting by having this financial vehicle. Appreciate you articulating that. I just love having you on the show because you do this for a living, but you also like train people for a living. And I think it's very clear in hearing how you articulate things. So when we're talking about houses, and we're we're talking about just like what we should do and you know talk talk us through the questions that we should ask and and if you had to paint a framework what, how we should do that and what would be really special is we'll probably chop this section out and make an individual video for people that are in this scenario because mm-hmm. um there's a lot of good questions that are going to be brought up that um that I think could get us to start thinking maybe a little bit differently depending on how we are raised yeah it, it really is and and i i i, I we got to take it back and start where the psychology started, which it really was back in the Great Depression. So uh, back then we had the roaring 20s. We had stock market accounts going up, people borrowing on margin, and then stock market fell. Margin calls were were called in. People had to start taking money out of banks. Bank runs began and they started calling loans. Okay. Back then, a lot of mortgages were like balloon style loans. They were three, five-year loans. Um, some of them, some other loans were actually callable. And so a lot of people were not able to refinance and it, they lost their homes just in droves. That's when the foreclosure really started. And that was when the mentality started when Grandpa Joe told little Donnie, don't ever you know, let them take your house, make the first thing. The most important thing is you want to have a paid off home so nobody can take it from you. Okay. Now fast forward 90 years. Okay. Which where, where we're at now, mortgages don't work that way anymore. The main thing is you get a mortgage. Your sole obligation is to just make your monthly mortgage payment on time. As long as you do that, they can't come after you for the balance. Okay. Now I'm talking about like a fixed rate mortgage for a certain amount of time. All right. So a few questions, and we call them mortgage bombs, you can throw out there to people. Um, I like to ask folks, so what do you think the rate of return is on your the equity in your home? The, the, the cash you sink into your home, what is the rate of return that you earn on that equity? And, I, and, I'll, ask, and I'll let them sit there, and I won't let them answer because I, I mean, I want to save them because it's kind of a trick question. It earns zero. Equity inside of a home earns zero. And the reason is because there's only two ways your home equity goes up. Number one is your house appreciates in value. Okay. That has nothing to do with the money inside the walls of your house earning your rate of return. And because also the value of your house can go down. So it either appreciates or depreciates. There's no rate of return in there. The only other way it goes up is if you pay principal on your mortgage. You're actively putting money into the walls of your house, okay? So home equity is pretty much one of the laziest assets in your portfolio, Right. all right? So the idea is like, how do we unlock that or how do we use that in the context of everything? Well, and I just want to point something out, sorry. You having more equity in your home, you're literally transferring money from one pocket to another. So it's like, let let me transfer money from a savings account that I have access to, to my equity that I really don't have access to, Bingo. you know, Oh, sorry. Bingo. If, if, I'm, no, I, no, that, no, I'm so glad you brought that up because in the retirement space, 
that I work in. That's what so many people don't realize. They're sinking all that cash into the walls of their house. And there's really only two ways you can get that money out. Number one, you sell your house and okay, well, now where are you going to live? That's, I mean, that's a small little issue. Number two, you have to refinance it somehow. So you have to go and ask permission from a bank or a mortgage company to get your own money out of that house. And think, and then so retirement and think, so as former bankers, we know what the bank is looking for. They want to know that you can repay that payment. Okay. What do you need to make that payment? Income. What is the one thing most people when they retire don't have? Guaranteed income. So I've had clients who uh, before I came and, and, and helped them out, they got to retirement. They hadn't turned on their social security yet. And they hadn't, you know, they didn't have a pension. They had this nice sizable 401k balance. They went and wanted to take advantage of low rates or they were going to move or do something else. And they want to try and get a mortgage and they had issues. They maybe had a million, million and a half, 750 sitting in their 401k account. But the bank was like, no, nah, I mean, what I would want to see income. And you know how they qualified? A letter that I wrote with all my designations on there showing, here's what they have. They've got this much money in an annuity. Here's how much it guarantees. This is guaranteed for life. Here's how much they have for Social Security. They needed it spelled out from an income standpoint. So that just brings a full circle, I think, from what we were talking about before. But yeah, that the access to the money within the walls of your house. Just yeah, again, and, just a and, huge perk. And a lot of times people think they're earning money um, like they, they think their equity is earning them money, but really the value of your house is going to go up and down. And it doesn't matter if I have zero equity or not, if I be- buy a house for a hundred thousand and I pay just the interest only, and then it goes to 200,000, I have a hundred thousand dollars of equity, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those, like the, the house value, the market decides not how much you, money you pay. And so I think the only, the only pushback to that is if your interest rates at 4%, you, when you, you are paying that, you are essentially making an equivalent to like a 4% investment. Now we could, you could break that down. I don't want to, again, I want to continue to have you speak, but these are some of the things that people like, they think there's something magical about having a paid off house, but I just see it as giving up control and yep making a fraction of what I could be making in other opportunities. That's right. And I would just, I would, I mean, I, I would just say, what's the use of a 4% rate of return if you can't actually use that money? That's a great, that's a great point. And, and the other thing is some people will say, well, it's, it's sitting over here in my checking account. It's not doing anything. I might as well put it at 4%. Well, that means, that means you're using the wrong green tank. Okay. <laughs> you've got the, you've got the money in the wrong, what we call a safe tank type of location, type of product, type of asset. You need to talk to somebody to put it somewhere else to be growing and setting up compound interest for you in the long run. So, I mean, from a principal standpoint, from a mortgage standpoint, what, I, what I'm doing and what I've worked with my family to do and my clients is pretty much finance your house as long as you can, at, at, as cheap as you can, okay? So, I mean, 30-year mortgages, now right now with interest rates going up where they're at, I'm not really advising a lot of people to refinance their house right now because they all refinanced as of six months ago and they got a 3% rate on their 30-year mortgage, okay? What I am cautioning people right now about is don't be in a hurry to pay that sucker off. If you've got a mortgage right now and you're at four and a half or four or three or two and a half or whatever it was that you got, and hopefully you got a 30-year mortgage. I even have one client who got a 40-year mortgage. I don't know how I did it, but I'm like, hold, you know, man, hold on to that. Don't, don't give that up. Hold on to that thing and just make your minimum payment. 
and then take the other money that you would have paid in extra principal payments and put it somewhere else and put it to work for you, okay? Because that mortgage payment could be the unsung hero of this entire inflationary mess that we may find ourselves in. Because with a 30-year mortgage payment, I mean, if it's $1,000 today, what's your mortgage payment in 10 years? $1,000. What is it in 15 years? It's $1,000. So it, it, it doesn't move. And so with inflation where it's at right now, if it continues on this pace, and let's just say inflation averages 7.2% for the next 10 years. You know that with the rule of 72, if you're paying $1,000 right now in food and fuel, in 10 years at 7.2% inflation, now you're going to be paying $2,000. If you got a $1,000 mortgage payment in 10 years and it's a fixed rate, you're going to have a $1,000 mortgage payment. Okay? So you just took one of the largest line items of your monthly budget and you fixed that payment for as long as you have that mortgage set up. Just think of that as that's your cost of sleeping indoors. Okay? Like, don't think about putting money into it and trying to earn a rate of return because, again, you're gonna have to pay costs, you're gonna have to sell your house, do something else to get access to it. So having that fixed payment into and through retirement for my clients, I talked to them like, this could be the best thing you do because you're fixing a major expense for you on a monthly basis and you're shielding that from the effects of inflation. Inflation could go to 20%. It's not gonna matter to your $1,000 monthly payment. And that I think is kind of a, a revolutionary way of thinking of how having a mortgage can actually be a good thing in a ultra inflationary environment. It's it's like the ultimate hedge because you could also reverse engineer that and say that thousand dollars is now the buying power of like four hundred dollars, and and mm-hmm. you could factor that out all the way to twenty five thirty years. And let's hope let's hope the seven percent is not. Long-term number, but who knows? That the point is, um, even if inflation didn't exist, it's a good thing for all the principles. And if inflation is even a factor, which it is, um, it, it's another check to why a mortgage could be a tool of helping you build wealth and creating stability uh, in the future. Love, love yeah. how you articulate that. Is there anything else that you want to share as it relates to the mortgage conversation? Well, uh, I mean, coming into the mortgage again, if you have less of your monthly cash flow, that's going towards that mortgage. Yeah. You can put it in other places. And so going back to another inflationary time we had in this country back in the seventies and eighties, the average annual inflation over those two decades was North of 6% per year, 6.3. Okay. Yeah. What is the ultimate inflation hedge? The stock market. I know a lot of people who who are, are you know, blue blood insurance people don't really ascribe to that, but that is. I mean, when mm-hmm. things are inflationary, that means prices are going up. What does that mean? Profits right. for companies are going up. What does that mean? Their stock prices are going up. Okay. Right. So over that same period, those two decades, the S and P five hundred grew at an average annual rate of over eleven percent. Okay. So that is your ultimate inflation hedge. Now there's insurance products that can take advantage of that in certain capped ways. And we know what those are, but the idea is the sinking the money in the walls of your house and not having any access to it. Again, fix that payment where you have and be able to redirect dollars into other places. that are going to grow to give you access and be able to actually take advantage of an inflationary environment. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's again, one of the few tools that is so often overlooked because of the preconceived notions of America's dream is having that home paid off. Yep. What is your thoughts on renting? Because I know there was a time 
that money tracks kind of took an opinion of like you're you're paying for having something over your like head kind of deal so it doesn't really matter if you rent or own the last couple of years i've looked at and i've said man i think the person that's owning is definitely getting the upper hand because of that fixed cost the the appreciation the market value but on the flip side you could look at the opportunity cost of not having to sink in a down payment and investing the difference in the market and the market's done great these last couple of years what is what is your guys's opinion on that and if you were talking to someone who's thinking about buying kind of feels like fomo like what what advice general advice ie questions would you be asking for them to start thinking about what they should do with their their situation well caleb as usual i love the way you frame that up you're giving some considerations and that's what i would do so uh yeah i mean prior to 2019 i i was renting because back then the rental market was great and i liked the um security i had knowing that if the hot water heater went out or the furnace went out or something happened in the yard or the fence that wasn't coming out of my pocket yeah that was the landlord that was their thing all i knew that all i had to do was pay my monthly rent and all my other money could go to grow my business right I, yep. I, I and so as a flip side if i had a house and something a tree fell on the roof or whatever now, maybe instead of being able to host a, a workshop or a seminar, I got to I gotta shell up some money or figure, borrow yeah. some money, put it on a credit card. So that's one thing I say that was is good for renting is that, uh, and what I talked about with, with retirees, even in, in retirement, um, who are looking at other housing options, you know, having that, that fixed cost and you know it's never going to go up and uh, as far as unexpected expenses, that's a, that, that helps you sleep at night, okay? Now, on the flip side, from a owning perspective, right now with all the price appreciation and now with interest rates going up, it's a really tough time for first-time home buyers. Okay, so for me now owning a home, I'm not really worried about the appreciation because if I move from here to there, I'm going to sell my house, get all the appreciation that was yeah. in there, and it'll be like a lateral move. Yeah. But if I was renting and now I'm looking at Price appreciation of 15, 20% over the last couple of years, depending on your area, where you're at, 30% in some areas, that can feel a little steep. So I think, again, it comes down to considerations. What do you, what do you want? Do you want the security knowing that you're not going to have to come out of pocket if some major expense comes up? Um, you know, or are you looking at from a like a long-term perspective on just overall uh, security as well as, hey, I mean, do you want to be in control of your house and paint your walls and do some, you know, yeah. be more in control of, of how you're living and what you're doing. So I think the way to think about that and, and what we talk about with our, our members being a trusted financial expert is being able to have those types of consider those conversations. What are the considerations? What are the things we're thinking about? Um, and I mean, right now, even rent rents are going way up. So mm -hmm. It, it used to be you could rent for a lot cheaper than you could stay in the same home. But right now, I mean, again, with interest rates going up, that might be evening out, but it's it's all relative. And, and I think that's the number one thing I like to get across when I'm training other advisors is just help clients understand the considerations. Is there like ever... Is there ever a time that paying off your house in your in your analysis makes sense? Because um, I know we're not a big fan of general statements, but have you seen where having a paid off house or aggressively paying off your house makes sense for somebody? Uh, yes. If they do not have good financial discipline, okay. like if, if 20, if a $20 bill is burning a hole in their back pocket, 
then yeah, I would say that person wants to go ahead and pay that sucker off as quick as possible because getting a mortgage, let's say refinancing, doing a cash out, doing other things, you could be putting that person in a very bad position because they can't save money. They yep. just, for whatever reason, life situations happen. That's that's where I say, yeah, you probably want to go ahead and, and get some money over there and pay that off so that you know at some point you won't have that that mortgage payment. It's super interesting. This is the thing that I struggle with a ton is what you just stated is like majority of Americans. So as much as we love some of our uh, people on the radio that are speaking certain ways, I'm super empathetic because it's like the worst thing that would happen is that they hear someone hears this episode and justifies why they're taking a refinance and then going and blowing all the money. Mm-hmm. It's like we're not saying that we're not endorsing that. We're looking at it, we're looking at it from a standpoint of like, man, there's so many ways to be efficient. But the factor is you. Now, luckily, people that are watch watch this and listening to this are produ- like proactive. Like they're they're listening for a reason. But unfortunately, that just goes back to the financial literacy and need. And so that's why that's why it's 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 impossible across the board to make a general statement because i will say for those people they probably should pay cash and we've probably envelopes would probably be good why because it's harder to spend money the envelope well, system exactly you know yeah. it's just, even though even though personally um i i i don't do it for myself but i'm but it's not that it's not it doesn't work it's just everyone's in a different situation jeremy i could speak to you all day man i i appreciate that we didn't even get to talk about health hacking um, <laughs> right the way I like to end all my um, episodes is what I call the legacy question. And the legacy question essentially goes like this. If this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most, you can't give them any any um, podcast, book, whatever, but you have a conversation to share with them. What are you going to make sure to highlight in that conversation? I, and that it's, a, it's an important point, Caleb, and I want to be sensitive to some of the folks listening out there who um, have had that happen unexpectedly. Uh, with family members and loved ones, I've had it happen in, in my life and 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 with those close to me. So I know this can be triggering for for some people, and I want to be sensitive to that. And so I would just say that you never know when the last conversation is that you're going to have with some people. You never know when you go to sleep if that person next to you is going to wake up. And so I would want to, if I knew that was happening, I would talk to that person about the importance of living with intention and living their purpose and going through life every single day, making sure that the people you care about the most know how you feel about them and that there's no words left unsaid. That's what I would say if that was, I was in that position. I I feel like there's a lot of people that are leaving a lot on the court and I, I, I appreciate you articulating that. Um, have have the uncomfortable conversation and and don't procrastinate some of the most important things. Jeremy, how can people be connected to what you're doing, be a part of the movement, money track movement? And I, I apologize due to time. I, I wish I, we could talk another hour, but how can people be connected? And I'm sure this is not going to be the last time you come on the show. Well, I, I appreciate that, Caleb. Yeah, like you said, we could talk all day. The, the best place they can go initially is moneytracks.com. Um, and we'll have a link in the show notes for you. Uh, M-O-N-E-Y-T-R-A-X.com. That's where you can just get on and uh, get a demo and look at the software and just see what we do as far as a community of thousands of advisors, uh, really making sure that people understand how money really works. And coming up uh, on May 25th, actually with Fairway, their second annual retirement summit, I'll be speaking more in depth about 
um, combating inflation using both conventional and unconventional strategies. So be on the lookout for that um, and check me out on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. So we'll have those links in there. But yeah, moneytracks.com, I think, is where the advisors out there want to go uh, to be able to, to learn more about all the concepts and principles we shared with today and be able to highlight those for their clients out there. Jeremy Ship, everybody, talking about health hacking, wealth hacking, intentional living, and mortgages, life insurance, all the hacks. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, look forward to seeing what the future holds. You're going to do amazing um, on May 25th. And so I look forward to anyone that can come and support that and check out Money Tracks and see what, what Circle of Wealth is all about. Appreciate it, Caleb. Real shout out to my new wife, Megan. Love you, honey. Uh, this is for you and uh, go have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.